Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Beautiful Thursday here, brand new month of June 2011. Big Dog and a Coach at your service. Boy, do we have a gamut of activities, events, and discussion topics today. How do we get it done in one hour from the French Open to the Scripps National Spelling Bee to NCAA Golf to Baseball, NBA Finals, and much, much more. Mucho, mucho more. We will do our best to get it all in in the next hour and still enjoy the TalkZone.com's soon-to-be award-winning music. Oh, goodness. Welcome, everybody. Big Dog Joel Radwanski, my good partner, checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. Big Dog, you're watching the, I'm guessing, you're watching the Scripps National Spelling Bee as we speak. Uh, no, I will oh, not, Coach. But I, I will, I will catch a couple minutes just to remind me of how poorly I can actually spell. Mm-hmm. I bet you, uh, you know, like, because we'll do this. This has actually been a drinking game. You know, that was definitely a drinking game in college. Everybody, you know, knows that when you put on ESPN, you start drinking. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the guy has to stand up right in front of the television, facing everybody else, and the word comes up. They have to try to spell it. It's actually <laughs> one of the more fun drinking games you could. Because yeah. you know, think about it. The, it's, you know, 11.45 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I've already finished, like, six beers, and somebody comes up there and says, can you spell, please spell, Octonius. <laughs> I mean, it's just pretty, it's good stuff, Coach. You know what I mean? It sounds like uh, it sounds like a lot of fun for the entire family. Why limit it to just college kids? After, you know, we, we got that game after, what was that game uh, uh, with, you had the seven words, the, the $25,000 pyramid. Okay. We used to do that all the time. We used to, the words would come up, mm-hmm. and we'd have somebody that wasn't facing the TV, and another guy describing <laughs> it to the TV. Yeah. He only had as long as the word was up. Oh, Coach, I mean, we used to come up with some some fun so, drinking games. I'll show you how and old I am. I, back in my day, it was the $10,000 pyramid. Apparently, in your generation, they moved up the uh, the price a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. When we used to do the spelling bee, uh-huh. uh, word got out, and I'm not kidding you, like uh, a couple of our friends that were like this, this one girl who was a Mormon, Amanda Evans, she joined the spelling bee and she brought like she came the next day and she brought like uh, grape juice. <laughs> it was it was a good time because you know what I'm saying. It was a good time was to be had by all. So. Sounds like Bloody Marys maybe should have been the drink of choice. I think you can spell much better grammatically with the Bloody Mary as opposed to the uh, light and or the regular draft beer. Well, you know I'm going regular draft beer with coach because I don't have to watch calories. Uh, now, I have to say, so you're trying to tell me vodka? You can drink. You can spell better drinking I'm, vodka than as opposed to the beer. Then again, I don't. Is, is vodka mm-hmm. what goes into Bloody Mary? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I believe that is correct. And yeah, I think research studies will show you those that investigate the vodka will affect the uh, memory and the ability to spell difficult grammatical words much better than say a whiskey or possibly, God forbid, a scotch early in the morning. Well, you know, you're more likely to get in a fight drinking a beer with color in it. Yes. Yes, and you're more likely to forget what happened mm-hmm. if you drink a clear alcohol. Interesting. So I can like, see you've done I, you've done some research, both uh, 
both by reading and I'm going to guess some practicality in this research as well. So, like, man, I drank all that tequila. I can't remember what happened. It's a clear, it's a clear uh, alcohol. So mm-hmm. It'll get you. Mm-hmm. Unless you're one of those people that drink that nasty, like, yellow and gold yeah. tequila. All right, whatever you do, That's don't do not do the grain alcohol, by the way. That, that that friendly reminder from your good friends here at the Two Guys and a Mike Show. I had this thought, big dog, and it's probably I'm going way overboard here, and I'm, I'm going to even disagree with it, but I'll, I'll throw it out there and see if it sticks a little bit. I'm watching these 10, 11, 12-year-old kids stand up in front of a uh, national... They're up to 14. They're four, they're, they can be up to 14 uh, okay. years old. Okay, up to 14, but there's some oh. to 11 or 12. And again, oh. I think I'm, I'm making a bad comparison here, but they're under an intense amount of pressure. And I'm going to guess, as Sonny Levine is up on the screen right now from, uh, where is she from, middle school in Ohio, age 12, a seventh grader, that, you know, the parents have at least to some extent pushed them. I'm sure there's spelling bee parents, just like there are ice skating and hockey parents and little league parents. But uh, Big Dog under tremendous pressure, you know, national audience watching them. And here they have to spell these ridiculously difficult words under pressure. I mean, it's, it's like a guy standing there on a free throw with nobody on the line. I mean, everybody is watching you. But you know how we criticize the parents that put their daughters in these little beauty pageants? At the mm-hmm. age of like eight, nine, or ten, and how sick that is. Is there any comparison to the spelling bee thing and what we're doing to kids and their mentality? And possi- no, 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 not at all, not at all. Coach. Okay, two not different things. It, 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 putting a four-year-old on a beauty <clears throat> pageant is totally different than uh, mm-hmm. putting a kid through some pressure of standing on a stage. And obviously, if those kids were are, are on the in the script spelling bee in the mm-hmm. in the semifinals of it. They've already been through their school spelling bee, their community spelling bee, their county spelling bee, their state spelling bee. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, so they're about, they obviously can deal with pressure. So, and coach, don't be so soft all the time. Okay, so what? One kid has to deal with the fact that he or she misspelled a word on national television, mm-hmm. and it was really difficult for him. You know, the, you know, life goes on, especially if you're a twelve-year-old kid. So yeah, sometimes uh, I think could... you look a little too much into it. But but I will tell you this about if you said you know there's spelling bee parents are ridiculous. <laughs> you know, every year you know every year I tell you the story. You're like really no way. When I was in eighth grade, a kid in my school won. Oh, excuse me. When I was in seventh grade, a kid at Jefferson Junior High uh, won the national spelling bee, Balloon Adoration. And wow! From your school. From my from Jefferson Junior High, he That's was in eighth grade. I was in seventh grade. He uh-huh. wins the national spelling bee. Wow! You know, and and I didn't even know. You know, the kid was just a nice kid. Didn't say much in school. You know, and uh, Balu. Because you ever have you ever hear the song by Sade? I think he Ooh, won by spelling his own last or... name. That was probably how he won the contest. What was his last name? Balu. Uh, see, the, the thing is, you remember Sade? Yes. The song Smooth Operator. Uh-huh. Remember. Well, before he even won the spelling bee, I would always mess around with him. I'd be, balloon not to rise <laughs> So I would say, balloon not to rise uh-huh. And he would just crack up. And he, I didn't even know this. The whole time he, he had to go home, his mom made him read the dictionary. He would have to come up with 50 new words a day. Or else he, he couldn't go out, but it didn't matter because he couldn't go out because he had to come up with 50 brand new words a day. And then he had to spell them like 10 times. And he had to know the definitions and Everything. that that's that see Everything. that again that that strikes back to my comparison a little bit with the sickness of these beauty pageants that uh, mostly the moms put their daughters through. But uh, all right, so, so go he ahead had with to the story. Know, uh, the phyla of the word, the source, mm-hmm. everything you name it. The, 
uh, use it in a sentence everything, Coach. Wow. 50 a day. A day. And then did you have to go back and review? Because, you know, like three days later, can you remember on Thursday, can you remember the 50 that you put in your brain on Monday? I, 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 didn't, I didn't get into all of that. I, yeah. I didn't. I don't know. But then again, don't forget the kid was also going to eight hours of school a day. Wow. Okay, so. And getting abused by you during recess. Let us not forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was the guy that uh, beat up the bullies in all my Good. whole entire life. Coach. I'm glad to my hear whole that. Entire life. I am glad to hear that. So, yeah, not the bully, but just to make it clear for our fine listeners out there, many new people jumping on board each and every day. Big Dog might not be aware of the sarcasm of your personality. I believe you said you're the one who beat up the bullies. Oh, there's no question. So you were, you were my whole entire life. I didn't. Good. I wouldn't stand for people picking on me. And you were a jock, and you were a big guy, and you were a uh, uh, quote unquote at least semi cool at the school. So you protected your your fellow brethren. I like that. Oh, I might have been the dorkiest captain of the football team on the planet. Though. But you were the captain. That is a good point. Okay, I like that. I respect you for that, my friend. I, I appreciate it because I, you know, I had to stick up for us nerds. You know what I mean? I grew up mm-hmm. wearing glasses my whole yeah. entire life, and I had a colic in my hair. Look like I didn't comb or wash it. Yeah, you know, who, uh, who in your hair? A colic. The hell's that? Colics are like when your hair grows in a strange, uh-huh. strange. So no matter what you did, it poofed out. And I had like four of them. So I, it looked like in the <laughs> mid '80s, people were like, "Dude, you got the coolest hair." And then all of a sudden, people were like, "No, hold on, comb it, man." I'm like, "There's nothing." You don't. You've never heard of a colic before? I've heard of somebody being a baby being colic, and that means they can't stop crying. But I've never heard of a colic in the hair. Now, David Olson, yeah, yeah, when I brought up the uh, the wrong way, what's that? It can't stop growing the wrong way. Okay. Uh, and to be honest with you, in honor of the script spelling bee, yes. I, I don't know if I can spell colic. I'm going to say C-O-L-L-O-C-K. Thank you very much, contestant Joel Radwanski. You finished in seventh place behind the youngster from South Korea, Ghana, China, and I believe uh, South Africa. Oh, the, the the kid from the Bahamas is very good as well. I've been watching. I'm getting hooked on the script spelling bee. But, but David, did you have a comment when we tried to compare it? To the kids' beauty pageants or your philosophy on the... Well, uh, what I was going to say is um, you mentioned that they could bounce back after missing a word or, you know, losing in a spelling bee. I kind of disagree because most kids I know that were that intelligent to be in things like that who were incredibly high strung, and something like that would devastate them. So you know, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So like finishing I found the brighter the, the kid, the more high-strung they were because the more concerned they were mm-hmm. about their grades and doing well mm-hmm. in their academic well. performance. So something like, that, something like that could just destroy them. Interesting. Maybe we should go back and look, Big Dog, at some of the uh, contestants that have lost over the years on national TV. Remember, they've, they've come close but messed up on a word that they knew they should have spelled, like, you know, like a wide-open – you know, jump shot or a free throw that you can hit nine out of ten times, but you miss it under pressure. Go back and look at the studies, my friend, and see what those kids have done since then. Has it affected their future growth patterns? I would think not, but producer extraordinaire David Olson says maybe so. Maybe. I think you should do a study. I, I really don't really want to do a study, but I guarantee we could probably get an ESPN 30 for 30 film on it. Yes. And it would be completely fascinating. I bet it would, actually. Like I still, because think about it, I have never really gotten over the fact that <laughs> I once stumped the Schwab and then they, somebody yelled out something and they had us redo it and I lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really have never gotten over that because my life would have been totally different with that extra $51,000 and the fact that I can put, hey, I'm the I beat them all three times and all that other stuff. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Stump the Shaw, of course, the ESPN Sports Trivia Contest, which you, even though you weren't 13 years old, you were about 33 years old, you were elevated to the national level. In fact, if I remember correctly, took second place nationally, and you were the only guy to beat the Stump the, uh, the Schwab, who was their ESPN self-proclaimed expert, twice during the yeah. TV viewing of that. Yes, and I would have beat him a third time if somehow people didn't scream stuff out from the audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, it, and I never really have gotten over it. So maybe you have a, you have a point, Dave Olson. Seriously, it, it eats at me. It eats at me constantly. I actually picture myself answering the final question because I because. On the Stump the Schwab thing, they had 12 questions, and I knew all. I knew 11 of the 12 answers, and the one that I didn't know, I would have had him answering the question anyway. So I would have went six for six without question. Without question, I would have went six for six. Mm-hmm. So I think about it, Coach, and it, it like eats at me because mm-hmm. I would, there was no way I could have possibly lost against the Schwab unless he knew all six questions I gave him or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But it would have been a very, very slim chance. A tough, tough break, but I can yeah. tell like a mature individual that you are over it and past it now. <laughs> I, I never will be. Uh, apparently In my not. entire life. Apparently. In my entire life, I will never be. Like, I'm not over the fact that uh, in our conference championship game my senior year in high school, I sacked the quarterback. And two and a half minutes later, they call a touchdown because I forced the fumble, didn't realize it. The band is out on the field. We're shaking hands with the other team, and they raise, oh, that's a touchdown. Oh, by the way, the guy that raised his hand said it's a touchdown. Wasn't even the back judge. He was the line judge. Oh, and he's from Glen Ellen. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, yeah, Coach, I think I'm over that one now, yeah. by the way. Yeah, the way you described that play, if, in fact, it came off as it is, and I have no reason why, to think otherwise. Why would I make that's, it up? I, I said I have no reason to think otherwise, Big Dog. It's one of the most, not one of the most, probably the most ridiculous call I've ever heard and one of the most strange, weird endings to a sporting contest. Uh, and it, it should have been protested. Somebody should have, you guys should have rightfully moved on from there and won that playoff game. That, that sounded completely ridiculous. It's, uh, oh, by the way, it wasn't a playoff game, but it was the West Suburban Conference Championship game. Mm-hmm. Enough said. In my book, that, that is as big as a playoff victory. You were the conference, the regular season conference champion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know how much that means to me to be able to pull up a banner. And I know how much it means to you. You know, like a regular season, uh, division championship doesn't really mean much if you're the Bears. Hey, you beat four, you beat three yeah. other teams. You know, yeah. but I understand, you know, it's different in sport, pro sports as opposed to like amateur. Mm-hmm. When you're in a conference and you really set yourself to be above other people. But, you know, coach, those kids are high strong. I don't know. Maybe then if they get a life lesson early, Dave, do you know what I mean? Okay, so all of a sudden these kids are really high strong. They, all of a sudden they, oh, I'm devastated. I can't believe I lost. Well, guess what? You, you're you not even in high school yet. You well, know, so maybe, you know, kids, it, maybe they need that. They probably feel pressure from their friends, from their parents. The buildup for it has got to be unbelievable. And they probably, and again, we're talking 12-year-old kids here, not necessarily the semi-more mature psyche of an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 23, 25 professional athletes, etc. So uh, they might feel, you know, at age 12, they might feel that incredible uh, uh, letdown. And if not handled properly by parents, friends, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, school personnel, probably could affect the kid. You would hope that they have solid uh, people around them. If they do, you'd think they'd overcome that. No, no, that's a really good point. Yes. You know, you, as a parent, that you a brilliant really, point. Uh, see, but the problem is, <laughs> the if you're a parent, yeah, uh, I would bet you at least half of the parents of those kids there yep. are overbearing and pushy. So with those 
parents have a, a pulse on that. Sometimes mm-hmm. these kids, these parents that are so involved in the kid's life and, and like the control of their kid's life to have them be successful becomes so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. They don't step back and see, hey, how, how is this really affecting the kid emotionally? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? So that's another problem you have that, you know, Dave is right about those high-strung kids are like that. And sometimes those high-strung kids are pushed on by their parents and their parents don't realize what the heck they're doing to these kids. Battle Royale, big dog. Battle Royale, WWF style. And the, the Battle Royale, if I remember correctly, is you put them in a cage. No holds barred, no rules. Last one to climb out is your winner. Five figure skating moms versus five fig, uh, national spelling bee parents. Put them in a ring, no rules. Put them in a cage, rather. Who climbs out? Uh, I could really care less, but I'm going to go hang out with the figure skaters, by the way. We're talking like 50-year-old moms, right, with yeah. 30-year-old yeah. raised figure skating daughters? Yeah, I, I think they'd win. I think there is no more vicious... Uh, vicious both off the field and on the ice parental unit that they're and I hate to make a rough generalization, but I will, then the figure skating mom. Because okay, I think, think they'd come the, out. There, there's a couple different phases to this, too, Coach, if you think about it. First of all, it's an individual sport, yep. which automatically makes the – it's a little different than the soccer mom, who if you're really good as a soccer mom, mm-hmm. play as a team, be a good teammate. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's, these these figure skating moms are vicious towards each other. It's you on a pedestal. Now, think about these two other things, okay? These are these – are think about how much a parent wants to control the kid now. It's a, it's a physical sport which uh, demands six to seven day a week, <laughs> three to five-hour training a day, and complete diet yep. restrictions, right? Usually, by the way, this training done like at 5.30 in the morning or like 11 o'clock at night. Exactly, because they they have to spend so much money on on ice time, yep. so it's a lot cheaper at that time. You're exactly right, Coach. So right there, all of a sudden, the parent is in this this mom is in this girl's life. Unbelievable. Now think about this. Also, it's a judge sport, so all of a sudden, the mom has to start. Mm-hmm. Being manipulative to judges, talking <laughs> down about other girls. Oh, that girl, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. She might use performance-enhancing drugs. Did you hear she had sex? She's not a virgin. You know, stuff like that. I'm not yeah. kidding you. These, these uh, figure sk- I know figure skating moms, Coach, because uh, I dated a figure skater in high school, wow. and that's where my obsession started, okay? Because wow. I'm not kidding you. The, it was unbelievable. This girl's mom put so much pressure on her, and mm-hmm. she was like, to be around me, it was like a total relief with this girl you know i mean it was but i would imagine from the parents standpoint you were nothing but a but a hindrance and a distraction oh without a doubt without yeah. a doubt without a doubt and it was uh it was that's why i have tended to try to date parents that weren't i mean girls that had parents that were like so because i i got a bad taste in my mouth then when um I mean, it was like, I was like evil. I was the devil mm-hmm. to this, to, to these, well, not to the dad. The dad loved me. He used to go to the football games, but it, <laughs> it, it's like that, coach. It, it was like to the mom. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, we're on a roll this week, David Olson. Uh, we took Memorial Day off yesterday. We insulted uh, 96.5% of the Islamic fundamentalists out there. No, no. I, I hopefully 100. Of, and then hopefully 100% of all rational thinking Muslims understand okay. what we were talking about, and we want we put yes. our olive branch out to you. Thank you. If you're not sure what we're talking about, you can tune in via the archives and check yesterday's uh, soon-to-be award-winning show at www.twoguysmike.com, or you can always go to the talkzone.com website and 
Uh, all you got to do is hit the two guys and Mike Banner, and you'll get to that also. Uh, and then today we're firing on figure skating moms. But, Big Dog, we got to move off the National Spelling Bee. And I know it's difficult for you to get your mind off of figure skating moms, but we must move on, my friend, with, of course, your uh, semi-sorted permission. Oh, please, Coach. You, you can – whatever you need to do, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Big Dog. Still battling the remnants of a cold. I apologize for that. Uh, we'll get to baseball last. Let's go over some of the other stories. First of all, I know we're not all NHL um, indicted right now. We're not all entrenched into the world of the NHL, but it does bear mentioning that the game one of the NHL Stanley Cup Finals was yesterday 0-0, headed towards overtime with 18.5 seconds left. Vancouver scores a goal. I didn't see a big dog, but a dramatic game one victory for the Canuke. Coach, I start watching the game at the start of the second period. Totally, oh, there was a lot of great opportunities. This wasn't one of those 0-0 defensive games where everybody's afraid to take a chance uh-huh. because they might be the one who made the mistake and the other team scores. No, no, no. This was two goalies standing on their head. What a, what a skate. Uh, and I end up, I watched the whole thing. I put the controller down late in the game, blah, blah, blah. Somebody yells and I forgot I had it on rewind. Okay, so I was behind like about a minute. Uh-huh. I changed the channel real quick on a commercial. Oh! Come back. Oh! And Vancouver skate with the oh, one that's the victory. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I totally oh. forgot that I had rewound. Oh. I, I totally Painful. forgot that I had rewound. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so when you, when you, when you flip to you? back to it, you're now on live and you missed the goal. Right when I did it, wow. I was like, Vancouver celebrating. Oh, <laughs> like, are you kidding that me? Is, that is, that is, that's an E6 right there on the big dog. Oh, man. Oh, hey, did you see yeah. a replay of it, though? 18 seconds oh, yeah, left? Oh, yeah, because it was right after. It was right after. But uh-huh. I didn't get, like, the whole buildup of it, which, you know, whatever. Mm. I, I'm not hating on the Vancouver Canucks as a Hawks fan. Uh, as I, I kind of want the Bruins to win it because they're original 16. And I kind of want Vancouver to win for two reasons. One, because the, they eliminated the Hawks. And number two, I want Vancouver to have that, the Stanley Cup hangover next year so the Hawks can get the – uh, the chance to represent the West next year in the mm-hmm. finals. You know that, that that's that's why I'm kind of pulling for the Canuckleheads. So the two the two major things, Coach Alec Burrow's biting the dude's finger and the Stanley and the and the actual uh, goal to win the game. I didn't see either one, even though I watched two thirds of the game. <laughs> uh, timing is everything, Big Dog. Timing yeah, is everything. Yeah. yeah. By the way, the two goalies in that game that, uh, as you had mentioned, both sensational. Tim Thomas for the Boston Bruin and Roberto Luongo, who's uh, rapidly, rapidly getting away from his uh, not able to perform under pressure in playoff. Um, well, you, you know, reputation. It's um, quite honestly because uh, my buddy Brian was talking about yesterday. He's like, "Oh, Luongo and Texas. And I'm like, "No, it's because we only watch him against the Hawks and we own him." Against everybody else in the NHL in the world, I mean, he, he's unbelievable. The guy is one, he's one of the top three goalies on the planet. I don't think you can doubt that. It just so happens that the Hawks play really well against the guy. So mm-hmm. him and Tim Thomas, and, you know, I did not know this, Coach. Tim Thomas was an undrafted free agent. Wow. Battled his way for years as, you know, on to, you know, in the minor leagues dominated everywhere he played, so they finally brought him up. They're like, yeah, he, he must be getting lucky because we're the scouts and there's, he, this guy can't be a goalie. Well, four or five years, well, I don't know how many years into his career, he's won the, the, the trophy for the best goalie at least twice. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that nobody wanted to give a chance because the scouts said he couldn't play. Yeah, we've seen it in, not just in hockey and uh, in 
almost all the professional sports picked up baseball, basketball, football. Uh, you know, they put so Especially much money, football. technology, time, effort, everything into it in scouting, but it, it is proven over and over again. It is not a perfect science. Guys can slip through the cracks. I was not aware of that, but apparently Tim Thomas, one of those guys, yeah. even in hockey, especially the last 10, 15 years, they know where to find the players, big dog, both in Europe, here, over here in the States and mm-hmm. in Canada. And um, Is Tim Thomas a United States kid? I'm pretty sure he's Canadian coach. Okay. I'm pretty sure he is. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% okay. on that one, though. But. All right. Spell Thomas, by the way, just to make sure and honor the spelling bee. Well, I'm going to go with the American spelling. I'm going to go with a, a T-H-O-M-U-S, the U.S. spelling coach. U.S. at the end. Yes. Uh, thank you for playing. We do have some nice parting gifts for you, Big Dog. I was going to advance you to round two, but you have failed once again. Thank right. you very much. All right, moving quickly along, and again, touching on a lot of topics today. We'll finish it off with baseball. Phone number here if you want to check in, if you're into the script spelling bee, if you're into the French Open, if you're into the NHL playoffs. We'll go over all the topics. You want to talk some baseball, you can do with the Big Dog and the coach, or you need dating advice. Uh, Big Dog is right here for you. I'm going I'm to throw that out there, Big Dog. Not myself, but you will be happy to do that as well. 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. Real quick, Big Dog, the French Open uh, semifinals for the guys today down to the final four. No real surprises. Four big names left, including Roger Federer taking on uh, Djokovic today and Novak, or I'm sorry, uh, Rafael Nadal taking on Andy Murray. So a pretty good Final Four there in the French Open. Yeah, and uh, again, all the Brits are all talking about the fact that uh, Scotland is part of England just because Andy Murray has a chance to actually beat Rafael Nodal and possibly get into a uh, a major mm-hmm. championship. Well, that's a lot. It's sort of like when, uh, uh, what's an example of a team, like Valparaiso. When Valparaiso is real good in basketball, we here in Chicago, we call them a Chicago area team. You know, I guess you, you have an excellent point there. Yeah. yeah, you adopt people close to you if, if in fact, uh, it works for you in the adoption. When they're on, they all of a sudden turn bad on you. It's like Valpa who? Yeah, hopefully Brian Kelly can turn Notre Dame back into a Chicago area yeah, football team. He, he's almost as big a pain in the ass as Charlie Weiss was. <laughs> I said almost, by the way, yeah. almost. Both of them need to take a giant, giant step off of their self-proclaimed pedestals. All right, uh, moving along. Uh, NCAA golf, Big Dog. This is not a topic you'll be hearing on other sports talk shows. Only here on the two guys and a mic show. We have to touch on it, though. Kind of cool. Four rounds of golf. Team competition, not individual, Big Dog. I like this. I think each team puts in four or five golfers right now. I bring it up particularly because your beloved University of Illinois in third place among 30 finalist teams are five strokes back with a shot at winning it all, Big Dog, in the contest being played. I forget where it's being played, but Illinois is in third place. Oh, congratulations. Hopefully those guys, well, not congratulations. Good luck, guys, and keep on playing. Uh, what, what, what am I going to tell you? You don't even know where it's at. You have no idea who's in first. Georgia, uh, I, 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 Georgia Tech leading UCLA in second place. Thank you very much. How many? Uh, how many more rounds? You got two, two more rounds, so they're halfway oh, okay. through. Oh, yeah. they're they're very good. Halfway very through. Good. I hope you know. I haven't seen the rule, but I've seen other tournaments that are like this in other sports, and I think it's a good way. If you put in five, the worst score should not count. I think there should always be an alleviation for one guy that like blows up. I think that's a good rule. Otherwise, you know, one guy just completely mentally explodes, and it can ruin the entire team. I have no. I, I I wasn't sure if they did it like they shoot a ball and the next guy comes up and no. shoots the ball or no, 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 no. It's it's collective score. 
But you know what I mean? It's, it's like, well, that's why I like like playing, uh, was it, best ball golf. Because I know if I mess up my shot, we can still use the, the ball from the other person. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a hacker and you're not very good, you fully appreciate that. All right. Moving right along, we do have game two of the NBA Finals. Again, uh, touching on a myriad of topics here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show, 888-463-6748. Dial it up if you have uh, conversation, questions, information, and or advice on any of the topics. Big Dog and a coach at your service. Miami Heat and Dallas, game two. Big Dog, the Heat win game one. Dallas, uh... Trying to fight back, see if they can win one on the road. I know not a lot of people watching this one either, probably until it gets game six, but um, we'll see. What do you think? Heat go up 2-0? Um, coach, I, I'm just guessing here. I didn't watch a, a second of the first game. I'm going to say no Dallas wins. Okay. Everybody's, you know, uh, Dallas makes it a, a series with this game right mm-hmm. here. All right, uh, NBA other news and notes now, things that have happened the last couple of days. Kevin McHale getting the job as the Houston Rockets coach. I don't know if you're surprised with that or not, but McHale's had some success. Oh, wow, That's, that, I am a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think he can be a good coach on there. Houston actually has a couple really good, young, solid players, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. We'll see. they they got a long way to go. Yeah, and the health of Yao Ming is always a question mark with the Houston Rockets. How about Mike Brown? The much maligned Cleveland Cavalier coach, Mike Brown, gets the head coaching job, one of the top, I think you could say one of the top coaching jobs in all professional sports. He's your new L.A. Laker coach, Mike Brown. There, there, there's no doubt. You're talking, when you're talking about basketball, the two biggest jobs are Boston and L.A. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking New York and Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest jobs in professional sports without question, Coach. And what do you think about the choice of Mike Brown? At times he looked very good, professional, and under control. There were other times I thought he looked overmatched, but apparently the Lakers feel, or at least management does, that he's the guy. Um, his style, you know, he's a defensive-oriented type coach. and uh, You know, he, he won in Cleveland, even though it was just LeBron and, and, and nobody else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a good decision for him. But we'll see, because he's defensive-minded first. Uh, what's, are they going to... Dish the triangle. There's a lot of questions involved in this because you're talking about uh, one of the great players of all time. Is Kobe Bryant going to go off into the sunset with a, a team that's going to be a six seed, you know, in the playoffs, or is he going to go off into the sunset with a, a team that has a viable chance to uh, carry the trophy off at the end of the mm-hmm. season? I say, uh, I say the former. Send him out in the sunset. Kobe Bryant can go riding out. Uh... Let him set the all-time scoring record on a 42-8. How far is he away from the all-time scorer? How many points? Uh, he's really close to 30,000. He, I think he's, I think he's about 9,000 behind. Coach would be okay. my guess. Just under 10,000. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So you're talking. Um, he averages 25 points a game, plays 80 games a season. That's 2,000 points. He still has about five years left to break the all-time scoring record. Not so easy. No, no. Not so no. easy. We'll see if he holds up under that pressure. By the way, speaking of all-time scoring records, we should mention him. Producer extraordinaire David Olson doing a nice job of getting it up on our uh, website. little video of Shaquille O'Neal, who has announced his retirement. Big Dog, I think... You are uh, in the Shaq family. I think you knew about this a couple of days ago, but in deference to Shaq, he didn't announce it. But now it's been released. Your good buddy Shaquille O'Neal retiring from National Basketball Association play. Well, it turns out that I'm also one of his children, Coach. Really? And he is. <laughs> I, like really I didn't know you were. Guy. I knew you were close. I didn't know you were that much of the inside circle. 
Yeah, he, you know, he's a really good dad. He said he will take care of me like he has his <laughs> other 14 children. He really yeah. does take care of all of his kids. Okay. So uh, he does it unconventionally. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of those guys that I couldn't stand when he came out of college. He was really brash <laughs> and kind of like talk smack about uh, the Bulls and Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And as as he's gotten older, he actually, I mean, the guy gets it. You know what I mean? He's he's exactly what basketball has needed over the last yeah, like 10 years ago. I, I agree with your former comment. You know, he gets it a little bit. I'm not going to agree with the, that last comment. That's exactly what they needed. I personally, as a basketball aficionado, Big Dog, was never a huge Shaq fan, only well, because... No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about off the court and being a okay, representative yeah. for the game of no, basketball. No, no, I'll give you that. And, 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 and by the way, that your whole, oh, I, I wasn't a Shaq fan because all he did was catch unbelievable passes with great hands and... And then dunk the ball. Yeah, that's that's all he did, coach, because that's yeah. what he was the best ever in the history of the okay. game at doing. So why would you rip? I, I never understand why you ripped that. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I all ripped. You do is a really good run blocker, and and yeah. uh, you make form tackles. That's really bad. I, but that's all you're good at. That's I don't know that it's fair to say that I, I'm ripping him. I'm just saying I never thought he deserved to be mentioned with the great player. He was huge, giant guy, and he had an amazing athleticism for his side, but. When I watched him, I never saw skill development You're or skill. Crazy. I did, did, did big dog. When I watched him play, I'd never get impressed by a move. Ooh, look at that move by Shaq, or look at that. You know, he was not a great he would shot. Run on the floor. He would well, run on the floor, catch Ali Ibsen, dunk it. He would get the ball in the hole, do a little shake, and dunk on people, and then he would run you over the next time. In 1996, he would do that. When he was a younger player, he could do that. I'm, I'm, did. I'm. I, I have never agreed with Coach more than what he just said in that last paragraph. Me personally, I found Shaquille O'Neal to be highly overrated his entire career. Because the one thing he had going for him is he could move. He could move for a guy his size. Well, he was huge. He was yeah. He was huge. He could move for he could, he could move like a guy half his size. But you get him more than three feet away from the basket, he was worthless. He could he could hit a little like ten foot shot every once in a while. But the, yeah. the, the the point was nobody ever got him away. He won three championships because he was able to get to that point. I, I, I don't know, guys. What I see with him is a guy that totally utilized his skill set to the utmost. He's a guy who had unbelievable hands. He was a great athlete, and he could finish with power. So that's what he did for the mm-hmm. first 12, 14 years of his career, and he led the NBA in scoring a couple times right when Jordan retired. He won a couple championships, three MVP finals, MVPs. So he basically, he basically just skilled. I never said he was skilled, guys. Yeah. The the problem nowadays is there's so many big guys that want to shoot 25 foot jump shots when they would help their team out a lot more if they got their butt underneath the basket and were able to catch a ball and get in good position and dunk it every once in a while Mm -hmm. and open it up for the other four players. But but, instead they want to be Mike Tisdale and run around like it's Latvia. But give me a move on the dunk. Give me a drop step power move. Give me a reverse, not just a, a back him in, back him in and just power over the guy. That's that's what Shaquille O'Neal would do. I like the dunk if it's off of, you know, a nice good power drop step where you seal the guy off or show we'll do a little. That every once in a while. Yeah, but every once in a while doesn't make you one of the great players of all time. Hold on, let me see. The fifth most point scored in the history of the NBA. Overrated. Second, the second highest field goal percentage. Coach, you know, you're one of those guys. That's because he would dunk it. He would dunk it ten times a day per game. That's why his field goal percentage was so high. Exactly. And that's what he should have been doing. 
That is it. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do, guys. Yeah, no. He wasn't I... supposed to take 15-foot jump shot. He wasn't supposed to prance around like, hey, look at these nice little moves. He was supposed to be the power guy. So you know what he did? He was the power guy. Three championships, fifth most points all time. Uh, so many times people want to do different stuff. Oh, I want to show that I have different skills. No, Shaq's like, I'm the best at this, and this is what I'm going to do. Try to stop me. Mm-hmm. I, so I, I don't necessarily. I, I, I appreciate the fact that he wasn't trying to get fancy. I, I don't necessarily agree with 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 what you said. I just what, what, where I stop a little bit is when you start talking about him as you know, one of the top five, ten, fifteen players to play all time. I'm just saying to to put him in that category. I need to see more. He's the fifth best center of all time, coach. That I might I might hit you there. Some people will say he's the best. The fifth best? I would say he's the fifth best. Kareem Abdul, Will Chamberlain. Who Bill else? Bill Russell. Billy uh, Russell. Hakeem Olajuwon. Ooh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, Hakeem is, Hakeem I, I think, I think David Robinson was a better player than Shaq was. See, but David, and I kind of agree with him. You know, David, Joel's got a point because Shaq was effective and he did use his physical tools. But I can tell you this, I thought David Robinson was, number one, more fun to watch, and he was clearly a more skilled player. Now, who was more dominant? Shaq, you know, still had that power body and incredible athleticism. I, I, I agree 100% with you right there, Coach. Mm-hmm. Skill and dominance are not the same thing. Yeah, but if who, for who was a better basketball player? Honestly, if you had uh, Shaquille O'Neal dominated David Robinson when they played in the playoffs during those the three Laker championship runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and David Robinson never was the leader of a championship team ever. He was the leader emotionally. But Tim Duncan was always the best player. I, and Tim Duncan won two other championships without David Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this right now. David Robinson is one of the most class human beings that's ever put on yes. an NBA uniform. Absolutely. And I love David Robinson and would have him on my team any day of the week. So I'm not sitting here. I'm not trying to bash David Robinson. How but. about uh, Paul McKeskey, who won an NBA championship alongside of Kareem Jabbar back in the Milwaukee Bucks state? Does a Paul McKeskey get anywhere in the team picture? Yeah, without question. Him and Jack Sickmar. <laughs> they're giving each other nookies. Ah, uh, Jack Sickmar. How about a Sven Nader? Oh, Remember him? Sven Nader. Heck yeah. Yes, I do. Outstanding backup. Yep. The old story with him was when he was in college, the guy never got to play. He was the backup center in some set, including his coach, Johnny Wood. He was probably the second best center in the entire country. Yes, right? I, I would have to agree with that, especially when you consider he he played real productively in the NBA, and that yeah. was back in the time when you needed four years of college yeah. basketball to learn how to play. Only one problem. He enrolled at UCLA the same time as uh, Lou Alcindor slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, that could be a that could. Oh, I'm going to play at UCLA. This is great. <laughs> oh, who's that guy? I, I didn't see him on last year's roster. Yeah. He's a freshman. What? Yeah. <laughs> a freshman? That's that's like our good that's like our good friend uh, from Deerfield, Illinois, one of the great suburban white shooters of all time, Ryan Hogan, getting recruited to go to the University of Kentucky. He shows up for his freshman class, his first practice. Oh, and by the way, Kentucky also recruited another player at your position. His name is Saul Smith, and oh, by the way, your uh, head coach, his name is Tubby Smith, and that's his son. Remember that one? Oh, I didn't know that that kid was from Illinois. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that you were. Why didn't you talk about? You've never told me this story. I think we've mentioned. Coach. I think we've mentioned. At any rate, let us move along from our NBA news and notes. I hate to do it to you, Big Dog. And again, Uh-oh. phone lines open here eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. We got any Shaq apologists out there? Feel free to give us a call. 
Triple Eight Four Six Three Sixty Seven Forty Eight. Big dog. I hate to do it to you, but we got to enter the baseball world where the team that you are so passionate about, you have so much love for, and have been hurt so many, so many, so many, so many times. Maybe it's a good thing, though, uh, as the Cubs hit the down point of the season, they get swept by the Houston Astros at. Wrigley Field and Houston, in case you're not following baseball, not a particularly good team. But Big Dog, maybe it's a good thing because I now do truly believe the youth movement will begin with your beloved Cub. Yeah, um, tough loss uh, again yesterday. Got actually some pretty decent pitching. Yeah, got to hit the ball. Yeah, so Doug Davis doing all right, pitching all right yesterday. It was, um, I've been wanting the youth movement. I can't tell you how many times where I, I knew they were a 500 team and I was begging them to do it. They never would do it. Yeah, I think they've even admitted. But uh, they, they, they're afraid to go total youth all right away because they might be overmatched. This team has a 10-game road trip coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I actually, at this point in time, this is the most interest I've had in the Cubs since 08. Yep. Last year in, in 09 when they, were, when they were garbage and throwing out bunch of old slow people i i could it was hard for me to stomach but mm-hmm. we're gonna find out who's gonna be a cub in 2012 coming up over the next couple of weeks I, I really believe that coach they have a lot of tyler colvin's gonna play every day he was in center field yesterday by the way yep. uh marlin bird vision is 100 percent back thank, to normal thank goodness but he does have broken bones in his face but he's he, and he said uh, the guy doesn't have to apologize. The service doesn't have to apologize, and he says I'm not afraid. I can't wait to get back in. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to play catch yesterday. Yeah, he was trying to play catch. So uh, we don't have to worry. Hopefully, Marlon Bird will be back because he's definitely one of the guys we need because we need the young guys to see how he prepares, how he hustles, how he plays, how he thinks. Total, so he total makes the class most out of his ability. Total so. class act. Great attitude. Mm-hmm. We talked about it before. Marlon mm-hmm. Bird. Now, Ramos Ramirez, one of our other veterans, Big Doe. We hope he's okay because he took a, a little ground ball to the mouth, the lip, a couple of teeth, and uh, that did not look pretty uh, gruesome. I know you're not a big Ramos Ramirez fan, but hopefully he is um, not injured too badly. No, no. Hopefully he's not injured too badly, and I hope over when he gets back, he goes on a five-week tear like we have not seen a Cub third baseman. Uh, go through since Aramis Ramirez in 2007 in June. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what we need. We need to have, have a flash of energy, a flash of youth, and all of a sudden uh, somebody have – how about like the Toronto Blue Jays who don't even have a third baseman right now uh, trade for uh, Aramis Ramirez because the Blue Jays are still in it in the American League East. So we have hit the point that you are now rooting for your veteran Cub players to play well, not so much that you can win an individual game, but so that they can have value and be traded later in the season. How low can we go? Coach, I don't care if the Cubs go 72, have 72 wins or 75 or 78 this year. That number means zero to me. All that matters is they become a step closer to actually winning a World Series, and it mm-hmm. ain't going to be this year. There's nothing the Cubs can do this year besides sell their soul to the devil in order to win the World Series. So... That's exactly what I'm rooting for. I would love to. They're gonna. He's gone anyways next year. Arama Ramirez will not be a Chicago Cub next year, on April 1st. So might as well on August 1st this year, we have somebody that we can figure out if they can play Major League Baseball or not. Who's the okay. uh, backup third? I know Jeff Baker is injured. Is it the kid they just brought up from LSU, DJ Lamatthew? Uh, DJ LeMahieu, yeah, he uh, he's going to be playing there. He was a shortstop at LSU. Mm-hmm. He can play second. He can play third. And he was told uh, specifically by, by Mike Quade, go buy a first baseman's glove also. <coughs> no joke. So he, uh, 
that was before he's going to have to he's going to start playing third base and they're going to let him play it pretty consistently because Jeff Baker's on the on the DL with a groin mm-hmm. and I don't know who's going to get hurt today, coach, but somebody on the Cubs has wow. been hurt every single day for about what about is it like eleven days straight? They been a rough go injury. It has been a rough streak indeed. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, yeah, well, it started right in the beginning of the season when you had two good young pitchers looking like they're going to come through for us, Andrew Castor and Randy Wells. They both pitched good opening games. Hey, maybe the back end of our pitching staff is going to be pretty solid. Boom! Almost at the exact same time, mm-hmm. both Randy Wells and Andy Kashner down for the count. I think it was the same day they both yep. put on the DL, actually. Yep. So that, 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 and that kind of was an indication of the way the Cubs season is going. But hopefully, you know, a lot of baseball up. They can still turn it around. We don't want to... uh Put the swan song on them yet, and if they do start playing the young players, Big Dog, it'll be fun to watch them develop, and hopefully, you know, I, I'm still old-fashioned where I can still enjoy, even though they don't have a chance for a championship. You know, and again, this sounds corny, but you heard me say it before. Each and every day is a battle, is an athletic contest against, you know, your best, against their best, and you got to appreciate each and every victory. You know, you beat a Houston, you beat a St. Louis, you beat a Arizona in an individual game. Hey, it's a big win. Shake hands, feel good. And, uh, Coach, uh, this might drive other Cup fans crazy, but uh, I would much rather see scrubs out there that possibly have a future than some yep. $18 million a year guy mm-hmm. who I, is totally overpaid. And maybe he is better than the younger guy, but uh, I, just, I don't need to see any more Alfonso Soriano. If he never showed up and put a Cubs uniform on again, I, I would not be, I could not be happier. Mm-hmm. I, I, like if, if he retired today, seriously, Coach, I would run the streets of Chicago naked. Well, let's hope he waits until tomorrow to retire. We don't we don't want to get that drastic. By the way, a team that uh, continues to outshine us as far as developing players, and they've suffered their share of injuries, too. The St. Louis Cardinals are, quote-unquote, our tribals, big dog. They get, uh, what, Albert Pujols, not injured, but Pujols having an off year. I think he's hitting something like 260. His power numbers are way down. They lose their superstar pitcher, one of the top five starters in the National League. I think a couple other guys. Matt Holliday right now is on the DL. He's been struggling a little bit, even though he's leading the NL in batting. And David Freezer, third baseman, went on the DL. There you go. And he has been he was hot right before he went on the DL. Uh, despite all that, big dog, somehow Chris the Cardinals Carpenter, find a Chris way. Carpenter. Huh? I'm sorry, Chris Carpenter, their number one starter, has one win. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So the Carpenter and Wainwright were the big one, two, and then after that, big question mark. All of that, and you check your National League Central Division standings, big dog, St. Louis in first place. So okay. it, it can be done. And um, Don't forget, Coach, they're on their fourth closer because the first three blew up and blew the most days in the National League so far. Wow. All of that, and they're the still Cardinals in first place. Awesome. The Cardinals are really good because Matt Holliday, Colby Rasmus right now is the – is the third-best defensive center fielder in the game I, of baseball. I right told now. you last time the Cubs played the Cardinals, he's the guy that worries me the most. I love that kid. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I told you, I know you said you like him. All I said was, I don't like him. I know the kid can play. Curtis Granderson, uh, excuse me, uh, Andrew McCutcheon and Franklin Gutierrez are the two best center fielders, and then it goes down to Colby Rasmus. Coach. Every single night, all I do is watch MLB Network, and they go game to game to game to game. So I watch nine hours of baseball a day. It's pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, that kid can play center field. That kid can freaking play center field. You're, when you mention Gutierrez and McCutcheon, are you talking defensively playing center field or all around? Only defensively. Okay. Only defensively. And if I can have any center fielder right now in the game of baseball, it would be Andrew McCutcheon, period. End of story. There's no question. Mm. That's the guy I want. 
I don't know if I'd, I like Andrew McCutcheon. I don't know if I'd go period, end of story. I think I'd have to, I'd have to peruse over a few chapters. One of those chapters, by the way, being Curtis Granderson. Uh, Curtis Granderson having a phenomenal season as he gets protected in that Yankees order with a 314 <laughs> uh, foot foul pole away from him. And you know I love Curtis Granderson, Coach. He's yeah. one of my favorite players in the game. Maybe my favorite person in played, the game of baseball right now. But, played his college ball uh, locally here at University of Illinois, Chicago Circle Campus. At UIC, and I actually saw him playing a game, and I have no <clears> recollection <throat> of it because mm-hmm. I used to go there and had no idea that the center fielder was going to end up yeah. playing Major League Baseball. I would have paid a little bit more attention. Uh, I remember our yeah. ex-morning break radio producer, uh, Kevin the Swamp Brad Haran, who's still over there. Our show yeah. isn't there, but the Swamp Brad's still doing time. I think it's part of his uh, community service for a few other violations. But he, I remember him telling me. Because he would go to these college games and say, hey, you got to keep an eye on UIC center fielder. This kid Granderson can play. Who would have thunk it? Uh, you know, six, seven years later, he's, I think, second or third in the American League All-Star ballot for top outfielders. Yeah, yeah. He's having a phenomenal season, Coach. He's leading the American League in home runs. So, yeah, he's he's off to a, a, a tremendous start. There's some uh, uh, there's some really – like the kid in Seattle, that Franklin Gutierrez kid, is, mm-hmm. it makes – Ridiculous catch after ridiculous catch. And by the way, yesterday in Seattle, Adam Jones, another great young center fielder, a kid that's going to hit like 280 with 20 homers and play gold glove level uh, defense. He had a Willie Mays style catch where he caught it over his shoulders and ran face first into the wall. Not face first because he got his hand up in time to make sure, he, and his foot up in time to make sure he didn't hit it. Play of the year so far, did he, baseball. Did he keep his feet in bounds? He did keep his feet in bounds, coach. Play of the year in Major League Baseball so wow. far, honestly. Nice At least I think it is. So I gotta, I gotta catch a replay of that. Hey, uh, enough for the Cubs. Let's move on to Chicago's other team. We'll see if we can sneak in a quick baseball round them up, wrap them up too. Big dog and a coach winding up the Thursday edition of our two guys at a mic show. Still time to check in. Baseball, the topic on the docket right now. 888-463-6748. Our White Sox big dog, a roller coaster ride all season long. The dips and the curves. Now, all of a sudden, we're climbing a little bit of a mountain here as the White Sox come back and win yesterday seven to four. They sweep the Red Sox at Fenway Park, uh, that's pretty impressive, Big Dog. Uh, the, the best series they've played all season. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, they are absolutely swinging the hottest sticks in the game of baseball the last uh, the last like 10 days or so. Well, I don't know about that. Last three days. Well, definitely, okay. Before definitely. that, they got swept by Toronto. So, you know, they've, they've, they've hit the depths, that's but they've right, clunked. I was thinking of this series before. Okay, well, yeah. they've been through the last, this series, they hit 327 against the Red Sox, Coach, in a series. That typically adds up to three victories. That's pretty good. Alexi Ramirez, uh, four hits yesterday, uh, two days ago, three hits yesterday. Brent Lillibridge, he's been a bit of a fine big dog homer and a base hit yesterday. And uh, captain consistency, Paul Canerco, you talk about the pro's pro. He continues to hit and get big hits. He got the big single yesterday and then the uh, home run, I think, in the ninth inning that kind of gave Sergio Santos a little breathing room in the last inning. Now, uh, Konerko had an unbelievable at-bat, and, and Hawk Harrelson comes up. He always has these crazy calls. Comes up with a, another good one, and he's used it a lot lately. But Konerko, just an unbelievable professional at-bat. And on two strikes, he uh, line drives uh, you know, a single in the left field, and he just and Harrelson blurts out, that's how you get a 6,000-square-foot house in Tusa, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, all right, Hawk. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You think that was a planned response, or that was just oh, off the cuff? It was, because he, he has said it a few times this year. And okay. it's just funny, when he says it, it's always after, like, somebody has, like, he, he like, 
talks about the person's house. Uh-huh. Whenever they have like a grinded out, just unbelievable professional at bat, like Kendrick mm-hmm. did yesterday. And by the way, you brought up Brett Lillibridge. Yep. Anytime the, they want to trade him to the Chicago Cubs, we're more than willing to take him. He's a National League ball player. He can play any of the outfield positions, could play the infield. And coach, all he's done, since he's been in the major leagues, is become a better hitter and base runner every single every single day he's been in the major league. Mm-hmm. He is the best backup player right now in the American League. And he's not They're a bad fielder either. He's he's improved and he was a natural infielder. Yeah, yeah. They've been playing him in the outfield a little bit more, and he's getting a little bit better out there, too. He's improved his defensive abilities. Now, uh, yesterday he, he looked really bad on the on the ball that he went into the right field corner. And did you see how, oh, he was about to catch it and then ran back into the wall because it's on an angle there in Fenway? Mm-hmm. I did not see o- that. only time I've seen him look awkward out in the outfield since he's been playing out there. And you're exactly he's a he's an infielder. They throw him out there. I tell you, I tell you this right now, he's – He's a gold glove outfielder compared wow. to Alfonso Soriano. <laughs> I got excited when you said gold glove, and then you had to throw in compared to Alfonso Soriano, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's like uh, brother. All right, and uh, real quick now, Sergio Santos coming out of the bullpen. I didn't see. I haven't watched his last couple performances, but is he in your mind, big dog? And you've uh, pretty good baseball mind. Has he firmly established himself as a legit closer in Major League Baseball? Um, he's nine saves. Into this season. Does he have that that feel, that swagger, that look when he's on the mound? You know, the closer who you know, you have a little bit of comfortability when he's on the mound. Has he reached that point? Do, do you know what I? Do you know what I like? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it is? Because he has a wipeout pitch, and if you're going to be in the ninth inning, you got to have a wipeout pitch. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Williams on, on MLB Network talks about this. He's like, he's like everybody thinks you have to throw strikes in the ninth, and he's like, no, no, that's not. That's not what you have to do because batters don't have the safety net like you have in the eighth inning, so they're a little bit more they're, a little, they're more likely to swing at bad pitches. He's like, you need a pitcher that is a little erratic and electric, and that kind of describes Sergio Santos. Do you, you know what I'm saying, Coach? He he isn't pinpoint accurate, but he, his balls move. They're, his slider is explosive and, and ridiculous. People, he, he looks like a closer in Major League Baseball. Nine saves into his career. So that's that's really early, Coach, real early. And, again, a kid uh, we've talked about this before who prior to last year was a, was a shortstop, not a pitcher. Yeah. They yeah. turned him into a pitcher like two years ago, and now he's pitching at the highest level in the major in the major leagues. Pretty amazing. It, it, it truly is amazing, and that's probably why he doesn't have, like, you know, pinpoint accuracy. But, mm-hmm. Coach, if you're getting people out, if you throw enough strikes, it's good enough. And if you're a closer, you only need two pitches. If you're a Mariano Rivera, you know, you need one and a half, but you really only need two pitches, and he's got a fastball, and he's got a devastating slider, Coach. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's not Marmol, but it's a definitely a great slider. All right. Very quickly in the baseball, round him up, wrap him up, big dog, as my voice is fading into the limelight here. Uh, if I told you Major League's first eight-game winner hails from the Pittsburgh Pirates, what odds would you give me at the start of the year for that? Oh, I, I don't think I would have gave you very many odds on that wow. one, Coach. Kevin Correa, the Pirates win yesterday. Uh, what they win? 13, or no, I'm sorry, 9 to 3. Uh-huh. Smacking the ball around, but the kid Kevin Correa, an eight game winner for your Pittsburgh Pirate. Uh, Kevin Correa is one of those guys doesn't overpower people. He's got about a 92 mile an hour fastball. And, and mm-hmm. nowadays, baseball, that's, that's not very hard. 
Uh, but, you know, he, he locates his pitches and, and has five pitches, Coach, so he can get it done. And yesterday, the Mets were winning 3 nothing. Andrew McCutcheon hits a ground ball to third base. Third baseman Willie Harris takes his time. Andrew McCutcheon, who plays 100% hard all the time, beats out the infield single. Next thing you know, nine run later, the Mets are up. Our Mets are running with their tail between their legs. When ter- the game was done, Terry Collins said this. He's like, our players need to watch Andrew McCutcheon and figure out how to play the game of baseball. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if his players will appreciate that when you pick out another team's player, but uh, I think Terry Collins is making a point. Uh, three infield singles in the seventh inning, and all of them were because of lack of concentration by Mets infielders. It was just like hustle by the Pirates, and the Mets like lackadaisical. And it, you know, I mean, it happens to you once, you should be embarrassed. The second and third times, you should – you should exit the ballpark and not take your your game check, which mm-hmm. which for those guys was at least thirty thousand dollars. Very quickly, by the way, Kenny or I'm sorry, Lenny from Libertyville wants to know if Kevin Correa is the son of famous rock singer Chick Correa. Yes. <laughs> A simple yes, huh? Yes, that's, I, I don't thank, know much. Thank you very much. All right, doll, we got to wind it up. Uh, any chance we'll see you out on the Chicago River today? Uh, you will see me there tomorrow, 10 a.m., Joel Redwanski. Come on down, people. Uh, give me Actually, just send me an email okay. at joelredwanski at yahoo.com, and, and I'll tell you how we can get you a real special price and get you out on the Chicago River, and I'll show you many, many different uh, historical stuff. I might be your first customer. Thanks, Big Dog. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 10 o'clock on the show. Have a great day, everybody. Two guys at a mic. Coach and the Big Dog signing off. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.